Well, this, uh, this morning, um, do you guys remember a couple months ago there was um, a gas, sorry, sorry, American petrol um, shortage? Do you remember that? Well, that day I, had, um, I was in, um, me, Ruth, and Simon Harrison, we had to drive all the way to Norfolk and back to attend the celebration service for Mike Godwood, who went home to be with the Lord. And I had the awesome privilege of being put onto his insurance because you know Simon, he doesn't drive, he only takes chauffeurs wherever he goes. And he, um, I got to drive his Tesla. And there was nothing like one driving a Tesla for the first time, but also driving a Tesla the day that there was no petrol in any petrol station. And just that feeling of superiority of every car that I crossed. And Literally, we have the same moment right now for those in this building that brought their Bibles with them. So, because we have no projector. So, if you could get your Bibles out, here we go. That's it. I see the Bibles. Could you please turn to Acts 12? Acts 12. All right, let's just pray. Father, I thank you that you are here. I thank you, Lord, that whenever we open this book, we don't read it. It reads us. And Father, this this pursuit of wanting to clarify the kingdom of God, but also for us as a body to demonstrate the kingdom of God right now in this hour. Father, as we go through this Acts 12, Father, I pray that your word would hit fertile ground in our hearts, in this house, Lord, that we would hear what you are saying, Holy Spirit. We want to become like you. And Father, the kingdom of God is advancing, and we want to be a part of what you're doing on this earth. So Lord, just speak to us this morning. Amen. All right. All right. So this one, this one is this, I mean, for those of you who don't know it, Acts 12, um, this is an amazing part of Scripture. Um, and this is not really, this is a little bit different, whereas a lot of the chapters we've touched on has been about certain people um, doing amazing things, whether it be Paul or Peter. And yes, Peter is in this chapter. But today, we're going to be talking more about what happened to the people of God while Peter was imprisoned. Because this, this book, this book of Acts, is like the first historical accounts of what happened when the Holy Spirit birthed the church. And there are things in this chapter that we, as a church, need to embrace. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped. I love this story. And there, there's a few things just before it. One, we talk, there's, there's a little part that I'm going to really briefly touch on, which is about um, leadership and about people in authority, why we need to pray for our leaders and then we're going we're gonna to end in uh, some corporate prayer. So, all right. So, very beginning, Acts 12 starts with a really, really sad beginning. Um, and let me just read it just up to verse 3. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also and this was during the days of unleavened bread. Now, it's really important um, to just see here, we're going to focus on Herod really quickly. This is a man who's in authority. 
Now, very much like if you go back to the Gospels and you see Jesus' interaction with Pontius Pilate, and Pilate's like, I could have you killed in a second. I have that power. And Jesus says, no, you don't. My Father gave it to you. And it kind of sets the tone throughout Scripture to this very day that all authority comes from him. It's only borrowed. So any authority or power that you have, whether it be the owner of a house, whether it would be you, you're, you, you employ people, you're in a job, you have great responsibility, it's coming from the stream of authority and power from our Heavenly Father. And how we steward it, how we wield it, how we use it, is so important because God, as you can see in the book of Acts, in fact, the whole book of the Bible, is that if you are a person of influence, what you do with that influence, you will be accountable for. Now, what's really interesting, if we we read in verse 3, is that he kills James, and then it says, then he saw that it pleased the Jews. And so he proceeded to arrest Peter. Here is a very quick account that gives us a window for all of us in here to see what was going on in the heart of Herod. This man had a fear of man complex. This man was only doing what he thought the mob wanted because he wanted to be loved, pleased, liked, all of those things that seem insignificant when you're in power. But you know what? What really is motivating will come out when you're given more responsibility. And here we can see that this is a man who is under, under the, the curse, the snare of the fear of man. And interesting, if you guys remember earlier on in the Gospels, Jesus, after they had fed the 4,000, Jesus turned to his disciples and said this really, really, I mean, this is just, it, it's easy to pull this out, even out of context of what he was actually saying, because it's still relevant today. Mark 8.13. And I'll tell you what, you know that you're being discipled by Jesus, not just when you're encouraged, but also when you're warned. When, you're, when, when Jesus is actually telling you to be careful. And this is what Jesus said in Mark 8.13. He said, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, obviously, this Herod that Jesus was referring to was the Herod that was um, in power at that time. This is a different Herod, but he actually comes from the same family lineage. So he's just as mad as the one before. Jesus is saying, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Well, what's leaven? It's another word for yeast. So we know that when we add yeast to dough, what happens? It rises, okay? And the context of this is the point of the, 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 the context of leaven is how you think. So he's saying, Jesus is saying, the way the Pharisees think and the way Herod thinks, be careful that it doesn't sow into your mind. Now you could say, well, Jonathan, what, is, what would you say is the leaven of the Pharisees and the, and, and the um, leaven of Herod? I can break it down in two things. And I've said this before. The, 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 what the Pharisees believe, you'd say the spirit of Pharisees, the religious spirit is God is at the center of everything, but he's not personal and he has no power. The second, and you would call that the religious spirit, the second, Herod, which is what I'm touching on right now, is the political spirit. 
The political spirit doesn't, be, doesn't mind that you believe in God. Just do not bring him into our lives and how we live. Those two things that Jesus was saying to his disciples to say, beware, it applies to us as the church today. So we as believers have to recognize with the filter of the kingdom, which we are seeing, is that the people who are in power, people that are leading us, which is why the Bible says, pray for our leaders, we have to be aware, what spirit are they operating under? Because if you have a leader that is operating under the political spirit, then you will see that that person will be led by the voice of a mob. The person with the loudest voice ends up dictating. I'm I'm saying this just, I mean, this isn't even part of my message, but it's, it's the point of church. We have to discern the times that we are in. We have to... As believers who are carrying the Holy Spirit, and one of the Holy Spirit's not only description, but the Holy Spirit's call is over us, is to lead us to what? Say it. The Holy Spirit's job is to lead us to all truth. So we are living in days right now, guys, where truth is so hard to find. But I want to encourage us If this is what we're facing, then as the church, we have the answer. So we need to be going to the source of truth when we talk about truth. Amen? So going back into the main part, here we go. Verse 4. This is Herod. He's arrested Peter. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. But, everyone say but. Earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Are you you seeing similarities that... Peter's been arrested at the same festival as when Jesus was arrested many, many years before. You see that there are, there's, there's a correlation. There's something happening that's happened before, and it's happening again. But if you remember, when Jesus knew that he was going to be arrested, he turned to his disciples, specifically John. Peter was nowhere to be found. And Jesus said to them, would you stay up with me and would you pray with me? And we know that the disciples, they all, they dropped the ball and they didn't and they kept sleeping. And they missed an opportunity to minister to the Lord in his weakest moment. But here, do you see that we now see that the church, the ecclesia, the people of God are now maturing because what you see is, is that the, 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 one of their apostles, one of their leaders has been arrested. So instantly they know what to do. Not to sleep, but to enter into prayer together in a room. And the way that it's described is earnest prayers. Now we know this and it, it could almost feel like, you know, there are certain things you could say that are so obvious, especially for a house like us. But it's in James 5. Are any of you suffering any hardships? You should pray. 
It's, it's, not, it's, it, it, it's an instruction. It is, this is what we do, church, if we are in trouble, if we know someone to be in trouble. If your brother or sister to your left and right right now is struggling, we are to pray. It's our first response. You know, we're teaching, Ruth and I are teaching our kids to pray. And when I say we are teaching them, it's the hardest thing. Oh, my goodness. There are certain things like that we cannot get out of their mind. And literally, if anyone comes over, I'm a bit, I'm almost like, should we pray for our food? Because what comes out of their mouth is, thank you, Jesus, for this food and bless it to our boobies. Amen. Mate. That we're not teaching them out. I don't know who told them that, but we cannot get it out of their mind. So we do pray. We're trying, okay? But here we see that Luke is telling us to look at the word. He is saying that the church went into earnest prayer. Other translations call it fervently or intensely. You know, the Hebrew word is ekitonos. And it means from the verb, it means to stretch out. Like, take your hand, put it into the sky, and stretch high as you can. Like, just keep stretching. Keep going. Can you feel the muscles in your, shul- in your shoulder, in your arms? Keep going, like, as hard as you can. Don't dislocate it. But just that like, you can feel that if you go too high, you can feel muscles that you don't feel suddenly starting to feel tight. This verb of stretching out, ekitonos, it's... An image of what the church looked like when they were praying for Peter is that they were stretching their hand out to God so hard it was painful. And I've heard this before, and it's like in you know, in my own study, I'm like, this is where I get it. I've heard men and women describe times of prayer with the Lord, they call it the stretch. Has anybody heard that before? They call it the stretch. And I realizing, you know, as we're reading this book of this congregation of people that were just filled with the Holy Spirit and God was using them in mighty ways, they had opportunities of what you would call the stretch and, and, and recognize that the stretch is actually part of a community of people. This is what happens to all of us. The stretch is just part of kingdom living. There are certain times, at a certain period of time, but we, the church, are called to do the stretch. And I can say that, you know, with Ruth and I being here for just over two years, we've had the privilege of joining this church for moments of the stretch. I'm thinking of like the first, specifically, I mean, do you remember those Zoom calls when we were in proper, we first lockdown and we were praying together as a church? Do you remember that? It was like 120 people all learning to mute their microphones at the same time. Awesome. Deborah Sims, we love you. But the pandemic has awoken the church to re-engage of what stretch looks like. Rob and Hannah Montague, was that the stretch? A time where a a, a student in our house had a brain aneurysm and was told numerous times along her journey that she was not going to make it. She was going to die. And yet the church did the stretch. We prayed for her. We took time out. I mean, we did so many things. It's still going on. I, I got to see Rob yesterday, and he's just doing amazing. And I know he sends his love to everyone here. But we as a church got to stand with Rob... And do the stretch with him. 
Who remembers when we were praying for Pete and Barbie Reynolds that Sunday? Was that a stretch? We prayed for Pete and Barbie Reynolds at a time where what was going on in that country that they were in, they were there, their, the, the, capital, the capital city of that nation was being invaded. And we were getting, I was getting up-to-date information. And we as a church spent the whole Sunday morning doing the stretch. They're going to be here in a month's time, and I cannot wait for us to hear what stories they've got to share with us. Over the last couple of weeks, guys, we've been praying specifically for the nation of Ukraine. We've been praying for Russia. We've been praying for the church in Russia. We've been praying for the church of Ukraine. We're doing the stretch. Amen? And it's, it's acknowledging that these are the moments... In Hebrews, it says, do not neglect the gathering of the saints. These are opportunities that we get to come together, stand together, and stand in his authority and proclaim the kingdom of God to come over whatever situation that we are facing. That, we, that you don't realize that these moments that I've just talked about aren't just about his kingdom coming, but it's also he's training us for war. That these are invitations, because when we say kingdom of God come, I think God's saying, awesome, let me show you how it happens. That we are being discipled as a body in this moment, in this time as a church. I've heard enough counts of it's time for the church to wake up. I believe this is one of the, one of the ways that we wake up as a body, that we start to believe our prayers. That we start to believe that when we declare something and we are in agreement, things change. Amen? Now we have a moment where we now get to read the account of what happened to the people of God who have now found that their leader, Peter, has now been arrested and like I said, what we, do, what we do when hardship comes, we pray. So they are doing that. But this is fascinating. Verse 6. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains and sentries before the door, before the door and were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on his side and woke him up, saying, get up quickly. The chains fell off his hands, and the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. He went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel, but the angel by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. So interesting, like we're getting the inside account. Peter's chains have fallen off, the doors have opened, and he thinks he's having a vision. Now remember, this is a man that had a vision before with Cornelius. We preached a couple of weeks ago. He knows what visions are, and yet an angel is beside him, and he thinks he's having a vision. He did not know that what he was being done by the angel was real and thought he was seeing a vision. Verse 10, 
When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened, them, it opened for them of its own accord. This is the first time in the Bible you have uh, opening and closed doors mentioned. And they went out and went along one street and immediately the angel left him. And it says, when Peter came to himself, he said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and for all of the Jewish people we're expecting. This, this is a Peter who has walked out the prison doors, walked through a street. It's when the angel disappears as he realizes that this is God. I think Luke is writing this to let all of us know that when we pray kingdom of God come and when it happens, don't be, don't be surprised if, you don't, if something happens the way that you don't expect it. I actually think it's also quite sobering also to know that this was Peter, the apostle. And yet when the Lord was moving mightily before his very eyes, he didn't notice it. He didn't recognize it. This is the early church. Like this is like this is like our plumb line here, guys. And this is the leader, the the apostle that Jesus said, "I will build my entire church on you." He didn't know it was the Lord. And then it says, "He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, and where many were gathered together." And they were praying. Okay, so here we have now the real time. The prayer meeting is going on, and you know what they are saying. The coffee and cake is to one side of the room. And they are saying together, we don't know how many people, but I imagine it would be a lot of people. They were fervently praying for Peter. Father, would you release those chains? Father, would you release Peter? Father, you've done it before. He's been in prison before God, and he was released again. Lord, we've seen you do mighty things with us as a body. We've seen you move. We've seen multiple people, thousands of people join you. They're giving their lives to God. We hear the amazing things, the testimony that's going on in Antioch. God, move, move again. We know that you're coming. We know that you can do this. And as they're saying this, they hear a knock at the door. Verse 13, and when he knocked at the door at the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. Verse 15, remember, they are praying for Peter to be released. They said to her, you are out of your mind. Isn't that interesting? A statement to a young girl who has just heard the voice of Peter, the very person, the very point of this prayer meeting, and just the very words of faith, the very words of, you wouldn't believe it, they say you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, all right, well, even if it is his voice, it's not Peter, it's his angel. But then Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. And then instantly, verse 17, 
motioning to them to, with his hand for everyone to be silent. Could you imagine the noise of what would that prayer meeting would have looked like when Peter walked into the room? He told them to be silent. He described to them everything that the Lord had done to bring him out of prison. And then he said, tell these things to James and his brothers. And then he departed and went to another place. Now, this is, it's just good to know that Peter knew that even though he was released in prison, that there was still a bounty on his head. And this is a man who so loved the church and understood authority that he was just basically releasing authority to James and saying to the church, I have to get out of town now. Now, we know as we continue reading the book of Acts, this is the last time Peter is in the book of Acts. We go straight into Paul's world now. But this is the last account. This is a powerful part of Scripture, church, because I want you to recognize that this was a congregation that were meeting together to pray, and the prayer was answered, and yet they didn't believe it, and it's okay. But Luke has added this. He's, he's, he's letting us know that sometimes we pray prayers that we don't believe. Sometimes we pray prayers that as we're saying it, we go, there's no logical way. That's impossible. There's no way that could happen. If there are any Leicester City football fans, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about recognizing that we can take, we can take some, kind of take pressure off ourselves right now reading this. That they were praying prayers actually in unbelief, and yet God answered their prayer. They were doing the stretch. I think that there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a moment for us, church, that right now, when we say kingdom of God come, when we're praying, I think that there are moments in our lives right now where God is actually answering our prayers, but it's coming as a knock. Because actually when we pray, we have to be careful that we don't have our own idea of how God is going to change a situation. See, we, we heard this. I mean, Julian said it. Julian um, Adams, who came and um, spent the weekend with us, specifically being... Um, living in America for the last couple of years, and I can testify living out there, the, you know, the unique challenges that the church is having over there, specifically when it comes to um, politics and the kingdom of God. Now, one thing that we c- I've learned from that, and Julian talked about it, and I think we're all learning this, is that we have to actually look deep inside our hearts and ask ourselves that when we say kingdom of God come, are we actually saying kingdom of God come or are we actually saying my kingdom come? And specifically, you know that and whether that works is because you have to find out what is the, what's the motive? Where is it actually coming from? When we pray, is it actually based in scripture or is it based in what we feel or what we've been told? Because I don't know you, but like our phones, media, everything that's going on is actually a form of discipleship right now. And it, it, it will tell you what to pray if you don't guard yourself from it. That there is an agenda of of the enemy that would want to change the words of the church in prayer 
because the enemy knows how powerful it is when we are in agreement. But it's not just agreement, it's an agreement with what God is doing. So if we can pray with an open heart saying, God, would you show me what you see? And I'll pray from there. Psalm 7, it says, the psalmist Dave writes, for, David writes, for you look deep within the mind and heart of man. And I, I find that verse so comforting, but also a bit, of a, a bit of a stand up from a conviction point of view is that when the Lord looks at me, he goes right down deep, 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 deep. He knows things about me that I don't even know about myself. And yet we have the privilege of following Jesus when it comes to what's going on in the world today to ask the question, God, how should I pray? How should I pray? When we say, may your kingdom come, do we say, may your democratic kingdom come? Do we say, may your political kingdom come? May your convenience kingdom come. May your humanistic kingdom come. May your political, no, sorry, religious spirit kingdom come. All the things that we might not know that we're, we're, we're moving in that. And it's okay because all you have to do is say, Holy Spirit, would you convict me in any ways or any things that I believe that are not a part of you? And he cuts them off. You move on. And you continue to grow. But I think specifically this Acts 12 verse for us, church, we have an opportunity to engage in the stretch in ways that I don't think have ever been needed so much in this time. I've heard it say recently, why pray for Ukraine or Russia? Because we have no power or authority to change anything. And it's thousands of miles away, and the situation is hopeless. So why pray? And I've got something that I'm going to read to you to answer that question or that, re- that response. This, um, we were, once a month, all the um, leaders in the city that want to gather together and pray, we gather once a month in Fox Hill, um, uh, the church in Fox Hill, I can't remember the name, but we get to uh, just worship together. We literally just worship for two hours together and pray for one another. We pray for the city. We pray for the churches. It's just wonderful. I mean, that was something that I've come into in the last two years, just to see unity in this city, the strongest I've ever seen it, where our union is just wanting to worship together, to bless one another, bless you guys. It's just beautiful what God is doing. And I was uh, Mike Newport, who leads the him and his wife Flick. They lead the uh, vineyard church in town. He was sent this text message um, from his friends, and this is a Ukrainian pastor who is on the ground right now in Ukraine. He said, this is the text. We feel your prayer support. Sometimes something really inexplainable happens, as if someone's invisible hand really takes bullets and shells away from us, and they fly past us. We emerge victorious from very difficult situations as if someone is occupying us, sorry, accompanying us. We become invisible to the enemy and we ourselves see enemies even in complete darkness and we know what to do 
and how to do it. It inspires us and gives us strength. And we believe that the Lord Jesus himself is for Ukraine. And we ask you not to stop. Support us and continue to pray. We really need you. Does that inspire you to pray? Can we stand right now or can we just pray for this situation that's going on? In context of the stretch, I want you to think about this. Think about this, okay? Again, we have an opportunity to do the stretch. And I recommend if you want to raise your hands, you can. Some prophetic people are going to message me later. But I'm going to ask us, just as a church, for those that want to, just to, to in agreement, we're going to pray for the kingdom of God to come over Russia and Ukraine and over the body of Christ in those areas. Is that okay? But I'm going to ask some of you who want to just declare out, and in agreement, we're going to say amen. Amen. We have the privilege of having Chris um, and his lovely wife, Tris, in the house today. And if those of you don't know Chris Horwood, his, um, Chris's ministry for many, many years was a missionary in Russia and Siberia. And I've, I've personally just loved getting to know this man since I uh, and his wife, Trish, since um, we moved back. But more specifically, you want to hear what God is doing in Russia. Speak to this man. Speak to Trish. And it's just been a privilege, been, especially in the last two weeks, being able to hear perspectives that are not being told on the news. And actually, for me personally, just having a real heart for the Russian people right now. Because they love God too. Can you pray? Father God, we thank you that you are unshakable and you are unchangeable. You are still on the throne. You are still sovereign Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords, the Lord omnipotent who reigns. And Father, we might have confusion, but you do not. And we might feel powerless, but you are not. And Father, we just pray right now over this whole situation that your kingdom will come even if it doesn't tick our boxes and fit our comforts and fit with our agendas. Let it be to the glory of your name, the raising up of Jesus, the salvation of souls, and for the great end-time harvest. And Father, we pray for the whole nation of Ukraine. Father, we pray peace. We pray peace. We pray comfort and strength and provision and protection. But, Father, we pray also for the nation of Russia. Father, at times like this, we don't know what to pray. Father, let us find your heart. Let us feel your tears. Let us know your heartbeat for that nation. Father, we think back to the prophecies that have come down through the generations that the great end-time revival would start in the east of that nation and swept through Russia and sweep through Europe. 
And Father, whatever is happening right now, we know that we are wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And what is going on here is the devil's agenda trying to thwart God's agenda. And we thank you, Father, that one thing we learn out of the book of Revelation, even if we don't understand a word of it, is we win. And Father, we just speak blessing over Russia. We just play blessing over the people of that nation. We pray blessing over the churches of that nation. Father, that they will rise above and engage with kingdom prayers and values. Father, we thank you that in all of this we can rest in the knowledge that you are Lord. Amen. One thing that we can learn and remind ourselves, like Church Bath, is that people's needs are met through prayer. People's needs are met. And just as Peter was in prison, and whether anyone in here has been in prison or not, but it would have been a cold, dark cement room surrounded by steel bars, having a toilet in the corner. But never, nevertheless, whatever that jail looks like, it's an image also of what prison could look like for us as people. And I also want to say that if you are here today and that you are carrying pain and if you are carrying emotional pain, physical pain, spiritual pain, it might be more, maybe a bit more tangible. It might be just the loss of a job or experiencing broken relationships or feeling even unfulfilled in what you are doing and carrying maybe anxiety or depression. Even we heard that Jake said, you know, about financial worries. One thing I'd say is that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, and I want to just say right now, if there is anyone here, whether it's online, whether it's in this room, if you feel like you are spirit, you are bound by something, you are whole, you feel like you are chained down, whether it is something that I've not described, if your life feels like it's constrained, I want you to raise your hand right now. Thank you. Raise your hand if that's you. If you're feeling a tug from the Holy Spirit, just raise your hand. That's it. Because what we do now, church, is we have the same privilege of what we've just read in Peter. Prayer set him free. And right now, for those of you who raise your hands, could you keep them up? And I want us as a church to gather around those people. Hold them high. This is, this is kingdom living here, church. We get to set some people free today. If your hand is up and you've not got no one around, could you just wave? Four or five people, thank you. See some at the front here, we'll have some people come down to the front. Hand up, see some people at the back there. Church, look around. This is how we demonstrate the kingdom. This is actually where we take what we've read and it becomes something. Because no one has to leave this morning being in chains. Amen? 
But we can't say that where the spirit of the Lord is freedom and do the English thing and just agree with it and walk home still feeling the same. We sing songs like dance at worship, but no one dances. (laughs) So I know Paul, I know you do. But church, anyone, even if you haven't raised your hands, but you need to, please raise your hands. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So church, those where you see people gathering, let's just now begin to pray. The ones closest to it, specifically find out what it is. Get really descriptive. Tell the people around you and the church, we're going to stretch, but we're going to stretch for the people in this room. If there's anyone online, just, just say me on the chat thing and we'll be praying for you. But Father, you declare that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we as the church, just like in Acts 12, where the church fervently prayed for Peter to be released from chains, we, re- we break any change off, uh, chains off anyone in this room in the name of Jesus. For the blood of Jesus sets you free in the name of Jesus. Guys, for those who are not praying with anyone, just lift your hands up and pray right now that there is not only faith in the room, but there are answers to prayer that are going to happen this morning. I felt before we came here that there were people who have got answers. You might say, well, Jonathan, I don't have any problems, but you want God to speak to you about a certain situation. Just lift your hands and say, God, that's me. If you're looking for answers, just stretch your hands out to him. Father, release your answers right now. Lord, you've given us wisdom that, is a, that makes it looks foolish outside, but inside it's the wisdom of the Heavenly Father. It's godly and it works. Father, if there is anyone here sick, we speak healing in the name of Jesus. May the chains of sickness be broken. Chains of infirmity be broken. Married couples who are trying for children, we just speak to the, any, anyone that is barren and we speak life in the name of Jesus. We speak life in the name of Jesus. Where there is a desert, we speak the, 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 the river of God to flow through. Where there is people financially needing breakthrough, where it is people just feeling like depression has been on them for so long, it's just normal. We speak depression off you in the name of Jesus. Oppression off you in the name of Jesus. Speak hope and the resurrection life of Jesus over this house in the name of Jesus. Church, they fervently prayed. They fervently prayed. They intensely prayed. It was, God, we so need you to move and we believe you and with our prayers in faith, knowing that you can do the impossible. Father, may every answer be met in the name of Jesus. Every answer, every answer, every answer, God. Yeah, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Push in, guys, push in. Shut